Welcome to Mysterious Universe, Season 30, Episode 24. Coming up on the show, we've got the Flying Mad Men of Kentucky, the United States of Fae, and random illegal things from 2023. What? I'm your host, Benjamin Grundy. Joining me is Aaron Wright. What illegal things? Well, you know how there's all these rules in Queensland now where you can't show a swastika or you can't have this symbol or that symbol. Too bad if you're a Buddhist or practicing Shinto or something. Yeah, or a Hindu or something. (laughs) I went through all all our Telegram chats from 2023. That was my idea today. Yeah, that was my idea. I thought, what am I going to do for the last uh, episode of the season? Am I going to do a regular thing or a regular story? Or am I going to do something different? Because we used to be able to do that. We used to go through and do a funny show at the end of the season. But it seems harder to do that these days. Well, I went to Church of Gale because normally every year I like to do an annual check-in on Church of Gale, but she was pulling a cat out of her vagina. So I was just like, <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, and I'm see, out. Back in the in the day, that would be funny and unique. But now that's just <laughs> normal. That's just normal a normal thing you would see on Twitter, you would see on the internet every day. Like, that's just a normal thing that people do now. It was like Linda. Do you remember Linda, our traveling reporter, who would always go out and she was always doing bedtime Bible chat, <laughs> yeah, always yeah. screwing it up, and I'm like, we're always laughing at her. She became completely based. Yeah, just she, like... she just became a normal <laughs> journalist, like an actual journalist. In comparison to the clown show that is mainstream media these days, she's actually legit. And I was like, well, I can't make fun of her anymore. But this was my big idea. I thought I'll go through our Telegram chat from 2023 and I'll just pull out all the stupid horrible things we send to each other. Do you want us to get arrested as we're leaving here? Well, I, I went all the way back to January and I got to I think the first week of February where I realized that we would be in prison and we'd broken several state laws of Queensland. Uh, we'd be debanked, we'd be kicked out of every country, we'd be removed from Australia. So it would be Count Dankulid. I realized yeah, I realized I actually had to do a normal work. show. So I ended up going into something we covered on the last plus show, and I just read it briefly, Skull Cults and Corpse Brides. Oh, no, you didn't. Essays Volume 2. This is from Stone Age Herbalist. This is too gruesome for a Christmas show. And yeah, I couldn't finish it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> still- because you were saying something about people, cults or something, killing um, young women so that they yeah, could that have, was the, the their African sons could have a bride. There was a, the guy, this English guy that worked in the Congo for years. And he saw some horrific things, absolutely horrific things. He ended up going back to the UK and trying to retire, moving to a farm in the middle of England. And he got called out of retirement because all these murders started appearing in London, mutilated bodies that uh, appeared to be the same witchcraft practices that he had studied in the Congo. Mm-hmm. So, so they, what migrants had brought their Yeah, they were from practices the with Congolese, the, the African migrants in, in London. And he, it's, this, it's such a gruesome story. And... <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about it. I'll link to um, Stone Age Herbalist's new uh, volume two of essays. Yeah, because his it. last book was fascinating. It was and I great. thought, well, maybe I'll tone it down a bit and go into the corpse brides. Nope. Too gruesome. Because yeah, there's no. this whole cultural practice of if you had a son in China, for example, that passed away young and didn't have a chance to marry, there, there's this cultural practice of trying to marry him with a bride. And sometimes this would be, you would find another family who had a tragedy where a a young daughter had passed away. Right. And so the two families would talk and they would get together. And the general idea is you don't want to have uh, your, you know, your son or your daughter in the afterlife, 
lonely. About. Yeah, I get it. You don't want them lonely. They need to be married. And there's all these cultural reasons why that's important. Well, it sounds kind of uh, cathartic and, and healing in a way and for some families yeah, as well. It would be. It would be for both families. And they'd have a ritual where they'd have paper effigies of the son and they'd have a paper effigy of the daughter and they would have an actual marriage ceremony. And then they'd, you know how they burn the, the fake the paper, paper money yep. and that goes into the afterlife. They would do all that. But, and in some places, they, they would even dig up the corpse of the woman that's passed away and bury her with the man, oh, rebury her with uh, the man. Yeah, look, I mean, it sounds, you know, a rather grotesque, but I, I get that. That all makes sense. But didn't, because of China having their one child policy, isn't there a really significant indifference between men and women? Well, I started to read Stone Age Herbalists. Um, well, yeah, there's obviously an imbalance between imbalance, sexes sorry, in yeah. China, but I started to read Stone Age Herbalists right up on this. And he detailed how there's been 85 cases where, because it's illegal to do this, it's illegal to obviously dig up a corpse and and do this practice. The the Chinese government's banned it. But he he said there were 85 cases where they in, the authorities in China realize that there's these networks that will organize a fresh body for you if you want to do this ritual. Please tell me grave robbing. It's worse. It was people. They were basically serial killers. Yeah. They were going, and Merry Christmas, everyone, by the way. (laughs) These serial killers were going around providing fresh bodies for these corpse bride rituals. And so one guy, he ended up that that had this network, all the police cracked out this network because they had sold a a body of a woman to a family that wanted one of these brides. What, did they actually have like made to order? It's like you open up a book yeah. and they already, like, well, I want to wander, which would be difficult in this China. This family ordered a fresh corpse bride and this guy's like, yep, yeah, no worries, I'll take her. A, a woman's got cancer, this young woman in her 20s, it's a tragedy, she's gotten cancer, I'll organise it with the family, they're in a faraway city, pay me the fee and I'll get you the this woman's body and we can do the ceremony. And the parents are like, great, that sounds great, let's do that, our son will be happy in the afterlife. Anyway, they get the delivery of the corpse body and it's like some old grandma. And they go to this fixer. They say, this is what we paid for. We paid for a young woman. And he's like, don't worry. There's been some mix up. I'll sort this out and you'll have your corpse tomorrow. So the next day he delivers them this fresh young woman. And ultimately the police realized this guy was just going and killing people. He was just going and murdering young women in villages far away to provide a service for corpse brides. I don't know. So I've realized I've just done this. That's the whole segment. I've just done it on the show. I wasn't going to do it. Merry Christmas. That's the corpse bride story. (laughs) What have you got coming? So I'm assuming that I'll just get this out of the way that he got caught and that that practice has now ceased. Well, there's a there's a journal, there's a scholarly journal on this practice talking about the cultural differences and where it comes from. It goes all the way back to like the shamanism in China. But surely not going out and killing people for the sake of No, obviously not. But um the the idea is that the cases that have been exposed are the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, they always are. And it's just like human trafficking in the country. It's out of control. And there's a certain amount of arrests organ every trafficking. year. But it's it, organ trafficking as well, exactly. But it's just kind of just the tip of the iceberg. And oh. there's these networks that operate and you put an order in. And it's almost like this don't ask, don't tell situation where you don't ask questions of horrible where that bride is from, that dead bride, you just accept the story that, oh, it was a tragic car accident. Oh, they had some rare disease. No, it's some guy going out and murdering someone so you can do your stupid ritual. Some cultures are better than others. (laughs) Yeah, back to that old classic. (laughs) So ultimately what I'm doing is some wholesome, this is Christmas themed. I'm going into some wholesome, where are my images? 
Fairy census. Nice. So we did the fairy census from Simon Young uh, on the recent Plus Extension. It was last week, right? On the last episode, last Friday. And uh, I ended up doing the English, Irish, and Wales accounts. And some Brussels bangers. And one weird one, little bongo from Chile. We That's did that right. one. Yep. I didn't touch any of the American accounts. So today I went through the United States of Fay and pulled out the best fairy encounters from the United States. Cool. Okay. And well, that's all over the country. Great. Well, that might tie in really nicely because I'm going to focus on Kentucky. Of course, only recently we were talking about B.M. Nunley and his, you know, his great book, The Inhumanoids, uh, one of my most favorite books in the, in the paranormal field. Um, but his mother has had, you know, a number of experiences. And indeed, it turns out that his entire family has had a number of very, uh, I would say, high strangeness experiences, paranormal experiences. So I started digging through his two books. He has two other books out at the moment. One is Mysterious Kentucky, The History, Mystery and Unexplained of the Bluegrass State. And of course, his uh, second book, which is the second follow on from, from this book, which I'll link to both of them in the show notes. But we're going to go through some of his experiences because I didn't realize that Kentucky is a real window area. Mm. It's a Fortean hotspot. It's a UFO hotspot. Um, But I'm going to dig out some of the most unusual cases, including the Bigfoot equivalent of spy versus spy, where two big feet get into someone's home and start fighting each other. Okay. Uh, You've got the mad inventors, you see, uh, UFOs hitting trains, a whole range of experiences like that, which we'll get into in our plus extension. Can I just say, you have outdone yourself with the setup today. Look at this tinsel. (laughs) Look at this tinsel. It's in my face. Like, (laughs) ah. Look at these. These are high-quality tinsel, This too. is high-quality tinsel. This isn't $2 this dollar shops. Stuff. literally is high-quality tinsel that I have. Christmas tree in the background? Yep. Try to make it look like, you know, we've run through a Christmas parade or something. The lights are all Christmassy. See? Yeah. You've even given me some Christmassy-themed videos to play. Oh, like, I did. Classic. Yeah, puta. Woman covered in Christmas. Oh. Oh, she's getting electrocuted. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been waiting how long to play this on the show? This I've had for like three or four years now, and I normally tweet it out every Christmas. But since I'm not really using, although I did, I I did tweet one thing out for Christmas, which was just awful. There's a guy singing Christmas songs with a puppet, and so I thought I'll nice. put that out. But uh, yeah, that's my favorite. That's my Christmas favorite. Next year we'll just hire a woman we can electrocute in the corner of the, the studio. Just have a big button on the desk. Just pay a lot of money to electrocute her <laughs> with that Christmas tune. Rapper That'll work. What happens if she dies? Just, I don't know. Just buy another one. Another <laughs> another volunteer. <laughs> I thought you meant another set of Christmas lights. That's what you were saying, Ben. That's what you meant. But yeah, I went through the memes in our Telegram group. And oh, most, they're horrible. They're horrible ones. I mean, if you see anything horrible, most of them... Most of them are sent to me from you. No, that's not true. Okay, I'll kind of is. Oh, wow. See what I mean? <laughs> See what I mean? See how... That was not me. I did, that You said that to me. I did immediately, not. Immediately. I would never do that, Queensland authorities. I would never do that. Now, right now, a, I've, now I've phones with you. A very strange Minecraft video you just <laughs> sent me. I like this one. <laughs> Very visual gag, but I like that one. So what I think I'll do is I'll intersplice some of the random telegram things we've sent each okay, other yeah. with fairy stories. It's a good way to reminisce. So it'll be like fairy story, Hitler videos. Fairy story, Hitler video. <laughs> no, I'm only joking, obviously. It's only every third. Yeah, okay. Yeah, only every yeah, third meme. Fine. 
So, uh, yeah, this is Simon Young's Fairy Census number two. Mm-hmm. And if you missed last week's show or you're not a Plus member, I'll just give you a bit of a rundown. This is from Farius.com. And Simon Young is uh, an academic who's very interested in, in folklore. And has been running this census where you can go and contribute your experiences of fairies. And this one is huge, over 500 experiences from all around the world. Uh, absolutely massive collection. This is going from the years 2017 to 2023 for the submissions. And fairy census number one was going back the previous four or five years before that. So, so most of them are modern reports, aren't they? Actually, no. A lot of them, the vast majority of them are people coming forward with childhood experiences. Right, but what I mean, though, they're not like folkloric 1800s reports. They're like, these are experiences people had in the 60s through to... No, these are all fresh. Yeah, yeah, these are all fresh in people's minds. So one of the first ones, typical example of what you would see, and if you're not familiar with these reports, you might think, oh, fairies, you know, like a little Tinkerbell thing. No, the most common reports are two to three feet tall. Yep. Very human-looking entities. And they're completely in proportion. It's not like they're dwarves or anything. They look like the same proportions as a normal human being, but they're only three feet tall. So this was a woman who experienced this in the 1980s. She said, look, I was four years old. Our whole backyard was a wooded hillside and it was right in the middle of the woods. And she says, not too far in, there was this clearing with a bunch of pretty flowers and it's this really beautiful place where the sun would kind of shine in. There's rings of mushrooms. And she said there was this tree with twisted vines on it and this one vine hung down like a swing and she couldn't resist. She just felt like swinging on this vine. So she said one evening she was up there swinging on this vine with a few toys and she had like a little tea set. And she said she saw this little creature come out from behind the tree. She said she stood there and she just thought this being was so cute and it pointed She said it pointed to her silver spoon with her tea set. And she said, you can have it. She went and gave it to this this little entity, which just to her looked like a little girl. Anyway, she said this little girl ran up to her, took the spoon and then ran back behind this tree. Now, this, this eyewitness said she immediately went around the tree to play with her and this little girl was gone. And that was the start of what she described as a three year experience with this being where she would go out to this little clearing and it wasn't always there, but most of the time it would come out from behind that tree. And she details some of the exchanges, like she ended up asking it what its name was. It said, I don't have a name. And she ended up calling it Twiggy. And she talks about playing with it all the time. Now, of course, she went and told her parents about this thing in the woods and they said she was daydreaming. They didn't believe her. Well, it crosses into the boundaries of uh, imaginary friends. Well, this went on for three years. She had this playmate and eventually one evening she went to this little clearing in the forest and this little girl came out to her and said, I'm sorry, but this is the last day we can play together. And she was so upset. She burst into tears. She said, why, why, why? And she just said, "Um, we each have to grow up on our own. That's what she was told. Anyway, she she said farewell and ran behind the tree. And again, she followed her and she was gone. gone. So later that night, she said, my dad came home and announced we were moving house. And she said, to this day, I think that this girl knew that I was going to have to move. So she was gracious enough to tell me goodbye before my parents just took me away. And at the end, she said, look, she had twigs for hair She stood that stood straight up. Her eyes were huge and mossy green. 
and her skin was incredibly pale. She had clothes on made out of this grass-like hair. <laughs> it's very elemental, isn't it? it sounds isn't like an it elemental weird? spirit. Like some kind of uh, yeah tree sprite or something. Uh, there's another one from California. Or should we take a meme break? Oh, that that fast. Oh, that's good. Okay, <laughs> Let's great. Take a meme break. <laughs> one, two. Three. I don't remember this one. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> I think you sent me that one. <laughs> that's definitely one you sent me. I wouldn't have sent you that. <laughs> Let's check in and see how Australia is going, by God the way. God hates Australia. <laughs> the land of the sodomite damned. The fag-infested land of Australia oh, is <laughs> Our God's wrath is sending hundreds of those filthy Australian beasts straight to hell. Australia's doing all right. I think he's right. You think he's all right? <laughs> we are praying for the dear Lord. I don't know. You saw the Christmas parade in Sydney, like downtown Sydney today, didn't you? No. They had this huge Christmas parade. It was amazing. Let's have a look. Oh, bad. <laughs> bad. That's... Oh, you can see the opera house oh, in the background. We're so going to get kicked off YouTube. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed us doing YouTube because this is the end. This is it's the- a Christmas show. Come on. People get the jokes. <laughs> so uh, US, California, female. Uh, this is in the 2010s. This woman was in her 20s when she had this experience. She said, one evening I'd just come home from work at around 9.45 p.m. My mother was in the kitchen. She served me a, a glass of red wine. She said she was just relaxing on the couch. This was the first drink she'd had all afternoon. And she's drunk about half a glass of this red wine. And she's like, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. So she stands up to go to the bathroom. She said, I can remember I, I had my glass of wine with me when I went to the bathroom, which I thought was weird. Yeah, that is weird. Do you normally take your glass of wine? No, I wouldn't have thought so. When you go to the bathroom? No. Anyway, she says, as I stepped into my bathroom and turned on the light, all the space around me expanded. It was like this matrix moment. Everything kind of zooms out. She said, my vision felt softer and sound receded into a vacuum. She said, it was a strange- What was in that wine? Yeah, strange shift of energy. And she said, as this was happening- the light and colors in one part of my bathroom had kind of morphed into a form. So she sits down on the toilet like in a daze and she looks down and the lights have changed into a figure. There's a full-on figure. It was a small humanoid. She said, I could tell straight away it wasn't human. It looked like a small gnome, only without the hat and the beard. The creature was again about three feet in height. It was wearing shorts, had pointy shoes, a collared shirt with earthy colours, and a small patch of blonde hair on its head. Uh, Big, abnormally droopy eyes with a long pointy nose, or abnormally large eyes, and a big smiling mouth with spaced teeth. She said its arms were really long and lanky, um, but its belly was plump, like it was like a plump little gnome. And she's just staring there at this thing in shock, still holding a glass of wine, too surprised to make a sound and it smiles at her like this big dumb toothy grin and she looks at it flabbergasted and kind of disgusted <laughs> because it's weird right it's, and it's it's seemingly out of proportion and it's in the bathroom where you've just wandered it's into in it's in the a bit bathroom creepy. it's like it's watching you take a dump yeah <laughs> it's gone through some toilet portal and she has this thought of like ugh. And as soon as she has this thought, 
it has this look on its face like it's about to cry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, now I feel bad for it. She said it looked so upset and so hurt that she immediately felt bad. And she's sitting on the toilet and holding a glass of wine. She's like, no, 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 it's okay. You're perfectly fine. And it's like, (laughs) you think I'm horrible. Well, you did appear in the bathroom. And she said, the portal-like energy suddenly left me. It disappeared altogether. And I was back to reality sitting on the toilet. Sounds like she dodged a bullet to me. She said, after the encounter, I began to research the history and lore of fey beings. and the Toilet gnomes. She, well, she eventually came to the description of brownies, like house brownies, and thought this matches exactly what I saw. She said she had never had any interest in that thing, she, in, in fairies or anything like that. And she, to this day, she swears she wasn't drunk. She had only had half a glass of wine, and that's what she saw, this three-foot-high, lanky abnormally <laughs> looking, abnormal looking creature. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's California. Still in California where the, a male in the 2010s, uh, he said he was 22. He was alone for the weekend watching TV. This is around 3 p.m. And he said out of the corner of his eye, he sees this hand reach around like the molding of the hallway mm-hmm. and this head follow it, like peek around the corner. What did it look like? It's interesting. He said, instinctively, I knew not to look at it directly, but I could still kind of make out the features from the corner of my eye. He said that it had an oblong-shaped head. It was no more than 36 inches high. His smile was extremely wide. He had slightly yellowed, crooked teeth and extremely large eyes. And this is constantly described Mm -hmm. by these eyewitnesses. Large eyes, large iris and pupils, indistinguishably dark, he said. And it was wearing rough, like, muddy green clothing. Hmm. Um, The smile looked sinister, he said. And things started to go missing around the house after he saw this thing. He said it disappeared after that, but stuff just started to vanish and it would reappear in other spots in the house later. He said, I've yelled at it a few times and it opens up all my cupboards in retaliation. (laughs) All these cupboards just fly open, he reckons. Uh, He always periodically shows up coinciding with a rash of bad luck or missing Mm. objects. But this guy had multiple reports. He said, in my mid-20s, I worked as a gardener and discovered an orange tree being strangled by some vines. And so he trimmed away these strangling vines. Now, he said the next day he was out in that same garden watering and he looks up and he sees this like shapely woman standing in front of that orange tree and she's hands on her hips and she's like beckoning to him to come to her. And he's like, what's going on here? So he goes up to this woman and she he realizes she's only about four feet tall, but again, perfect proportions. And when he gets up to her, he sees that her skin seems to be made out of tree bark. <laughs> it's like it's very strange, dark skin. He drops his hose and starts to approach and she does this little pirouette in front of him, does this little bow and disappears into the tree bark. And he's like, what the hell's going on? He looks a little bit closer. And where she went into the tree bark, he could see that he'd actually missed some of those creeping vines the day before. Oh, so it was like the spirit of the tree? Yeah, it's like it was thanking him for cutting away those those strangling vines. But at the same time, it was like, hey, you missed a spot. You got to wonder the fact that he's a gardener. I mean, these entities, they sound like they are you know, fitting into the category of elementals. Is he catching these things in people's gardens? Or did one follow him home? Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, that's a good idea. 
That's because that's where they usually that's where they are lurk. Yeah. They're yeah. like the idea of uh, nature spirits. Uh, and then he's got another weird one. He said, <laughs> "I watched. I saw this one day. I saw a monkey da- darting out of the fireplace." <laughs> he said he moved into this new place, and he said things started to follow him. He moved into this new place with a friend, and this monkey darted out of the fireplace one day. He said, "Like a monkey," or <laughs> he said it was only a few inches tall, like a tiny little monkey. Um, he said, I watched for weeks trying to get a good look of it coming out of the fireplace again, but I finally glimpsed the face and I re- realized I was seeing not a monkey, but a very hairy little man. And I realized this is a tiny Bigfoot. It's a tiny it's probably s- a brownie. spectral Bigfoot. He said, it looked like the depiction I've seen of Bigfoot only 11 inches tall and gray. <laughs> he said, this little man has been with me in every move since. I'm 33 now, and I occasionally see him in a thicket of roses in my garden. And there's also a terrible smell coming from that corner of the garden for no particular reason. Which is associated <laughs> with Bigfoot. So even when you shrink down Sasquatch Doesn't to like matter. a tiny little fairy dude, he's still stinking things up. All right, meme break. Oh, what's this one? Gonna be? I don't know. Oh, we've done that. Oh, we've one. done that one. Aaron, <laughs> come on! You can't have you can't have ethnic minorities getting hit by vehicles like that in the show. It's, it's all wrong. Oh, this no, this that that will definitely. I just that actually shouldn't. I'm going to delete that. What right is now. <laughs> what the that actually cannot be on the show. That. <laughs> All jokes aside, that is actually illegal, that one. <laughs> we will get it. That is illegal in our well, state of I, Australia. It's not on my computer or my phone. It's got nothing to do with me. I don't know. There's no room for racism. Racism should be banned. Whoever is racist is a coward. I don't like racism. I want to end. I think we've just offset it. We've just offset that horrible one previously. I that. must push so many of these out of my mind. I don't have any. You don't remember these? Remember. Well, I went through, like, it would have been 500 today. I only ended up getting about 20. <laughs> what, that are appropriate? That are we could even use. And one of those I already made a mistake on. Like, several of them have made a mistake on. What about no, this one? You clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skylar. I am. She, he, he, it's cut off at the end. He's saying he is the danger. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, maybe we'll skip some of the memes. It is the Christmas show, though. I like the spirit of things not really being planned. Yeah, it works. Look, it's fine. Not What's really it? being... Okay, uh, load up one more. What have you got next? Uh, save it. What, this one? Oh, this is a good one. It's a very fat woman jumping on a guy's face. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good one. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. This one I do recall. I think you sent this to me. I think, I, I think my wife sent this to me, actually. She loves all of the rings. <laughs> oh, it's so moving. I like how the audio barnacles are just like, yeah, it's Lord of the Rings. What's it's the, great. What's going on? Yeah. I don't see what the big deal is. Uh, here's a good one from California. Another female. This is in the 90s. This must have been after they just graduated from high school. She mm-hmm. said her and a bunch of friends, they had uh, booked a cabin in the mountains for the long weekend. 
near the water. This, this was three hours drive from San Francisco Bay or the San Francisco Bay area. They said we were swimming in this this lake uh, upon arrival and, and everyone was swimming and we noticed a cave on a cliff and everyone agreed we should all go and explore. There was about 12 of them in this group. And they were just figuring out, like, how are we going to get up there? It looks really interesting. Maybe we can climb up there. And, and they kept on swimming and talking about it. And she said the cliff was granite, flush with the water's edge, um, but there was this slope to get up to the cave. And she said, as we were swimming, discussing plans to go and explore, she says, from in the water, or her, she's in the water watching this, she said, I saw a three to four foot tall, uh, almost as round as in diameter, something moved from perfect camouflage on the cliff wall right next to the cave's opening. And she said she watched this thing shimmy over to the mouth of the cave and cover it somehow. So the cave basically disappeared. The entrance to the cave was gone. And she watched this thing disappear into the rock. And she said after this, the cave was no longer visible. There was no cave where a moment before we had all clearly seen it. Now she said when we got out of the water, Weirdly, no one mentioned the cave again. No one spoke about it, and we all left and went back to the cabin. Now, she said, I thought this was weird, but chose not to, brought it, to bring it up at the lake. Because, um, you know, clearly we all saw it, and then it was gone. But when they got back to the, the cabin, she said to everyone, she's like, hey, we forgot about that cave. What about the cave? And they were all like, oh, yeah, why didn't we think about the cave? It was weird. And... She was convinced that what this thing had done was, first of all, concealed the entrance to its cave, mm. but then somehow influenced the minds of all those teenagers in the lake so that they would lose all interest in it to the point where they wouldn't even think about it until they were you know, too far away to return and, and explore it again. Yeah, I mean, we looked at this kind of stuff during the year in regards to the abduction phenomenon where it seems like there are so many people that get abducted, just just so many, particularly with only recently talking about David Jacobs and some of the stats he was describing, like millions of people. But how come we don't have millions of people actually reporting it, right? We don't actually have people coming up with their stories. And it's highly likely, and this is what Jacobs and you know people in his field were describing, is that these entities seemingly have the ability to cast a fog upon people, mm. but it doesn't work on everyone. And this sounds to be the same thing. It's like these entities have passed a fog on everyone, but she, for whatever reason, was slightly resistant to it. She was somehow immune. Mm. And we see this all the time. I mean, it, it's interesting that this is the overlap with the alien abduction scenario as well. It's common. And remember, Graham Hancock wrote a lot on this in his book, Supernatural. Mm -hmm. And many authors have explored this, this clear overlap between alien abductions, the, 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 abduct, the people being taken, people going missing, the missing time, being fairy-led. Even the description of the eyes, the height of the beings is similar. I mean, you can go down the list and tick off all these similarities. Are there any reports, I don't know if we've covered them, but are there reports of people describing medical-like procedures from no more fairy encounters? There are. I think I've got one of those coming up. Okay. But the next one is another example of this manipulation of the mind. This was from Kentucky, uh, a woman back in the 2020s. She was in her 30s when she described this, but it was actually her fiancé that had the experience. She said, my fiance and I moved to this new spot in February and on the property, we noticed uh, a small fairy ring as well as multiple spots for mushroom growth. But she does say that her husband doesn't believe in any of this stuff. He thinks it's silly. He thinks the idea of fairies is silly, but obviously- Most people, yeah, think the same way. She thinks it's real. Anyway, her fiance woke at 2 or 3 a.m. for some reason 
Doesn't know why. He gets up, gets dressed, and walks out the front door. Still doesn't know why he did this. He just felt compelled. As soon as he gets out the front door, there's a being childlike in size, cloaked, standing there, and it starts asking him for help. Now she does. It's actually poorly described what takes place, but that's what you all say. Told. Cloaked, as in cloaked, as in she can't see it, or cloaked as in it's wearing a cloak. It's wearing a cloak. Okay. Right. He brings this being into the house, and she says here that he couldn't remember bits and pieces of the conversation, so he actually came to her, his wife, to wake her up and ask for help with this being. And according to his report, he said he attempted to wake her and shook her and shook her and shook her. And whatever he did, he could not wake her up. No, oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was her experience. So he's the one. Yeah, this is the fiance's yeah. experience. And and he said, look, I myself, or she said, sorry, I am a light sleeper, an extremely light sleeper. And even, you know, shaking me, calling my name, I did not wake up. Well, what does that sound like? Though? This is alien abductions. Yeah. Like All the time we hear this. She then shows him a snake that's outside and asks him to protect her from it. What? A, a snake outside at three in the morning. Uh, his impression, and he remember he he has vague a vague recollection of this, almost like it's a screen memory, perhaps. But his impression is that he went and got this pellet gun they have, and went outside and shot the snake. This entity then smiled at him and then went on on her way, basically disappeared or vanished or walked away or whatever. Wouldn't a pellet gun just piss it off? I don't know. Anyway, he then went back inside, laid down on the couch after setting his cell phone alarm for normal work time, and the the woman, the 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 wife, the wife said, I, "I never heard any of this. I I never felt him try and wake me up." Um, when he called me throughout the day, he kept telling me that he didn't remember waking, he didn't remember dressing and going outside, he didn't remember grabbing the gun, he he didn't remember any of that, and he just said he felt odd all day. Something was was off. Anyway, her experience was she woke up with a sense of panic and her husband had already left for work and she just wakes up with this, oh my God, something's wrong. She said none of our electronic devices were working until he got to his office, which is 37 miles away. So just another weird little detail. That's strange because if he was, again, abductees seemingly have, you know, after their experiences, the ability to affect electrical items. but why is it that nothing would work until he reached work? You know what I mean? It's I like know. if it connected was connected to him. So. Yeah. Uh, remember the last show we had the little bumblebee riding night? Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This woman in Belgium saw a bumblebee with a little guy on the, on the back. Similar one here from Louisiana. This woman, this is in the 1940s. She was eight years old. She remembers this vividly to this day, even though it's been, what, 70 plus years. She said she was sitting in the back seat, she remembers, of her father's car. And they're on the highway and her father was a doctor. And back in those days, the the highways were just two lanes. So there was a lot of crashes. There was a lot of head-on impacts, yeah. apparently. And she said that her dad would always stop and give aid because he was a doctor. And she says she remembers that they were stopped. And it might have been for this reason. It might have been because there was an accident up the road. And she remembers being told to stay in the car, sitting in the back of the car and looking out on the side of the highway. And she said she looked out on the shoulder of the highway on the opposite lane and she sees a tiny horse about yay high. <laughs> like, like a My Little Pony toy. A few inches high, right? This little brown horse. And tied to the horse is a tiny wagon. 
and riding in the wagon is a Who's tight... manufacturing this? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Obviously, other little people. Where's the market? Uh, uh, riding on the back of the wagon was a tiny driver. She said the horse was about eight inches from nose to tail, and she says, I looked down on it, and the driver was in proportion as well. The wagon was a kind of dingy red farm-type wagon. She said, at the time, I didn't think this was miraculous or even odd in any way, and I didn't say anything to my parents. All I remember is that I wanted to take them home and play with them. (laughs) She says, I remember it vividly, but gave it little thought for years. But later in life, she said she started reading about fairies and elementals and realized, oh, I have a sighting. I saw that when I was a young girl. Well, there is a case from, is it a, it's a, a British Isles case, I think, of where um, there was like a, a gnome driving a little car. It was like a little wind-up car. And it sounds like it's, it's like a Disney movie, but that was- Oh, a, there are multiple eyewitnesses of that one. Yeah, there were. Yeah. The naughty type but, entity. Like, I don't, yeah, the naughty type entity. I don't want to be you know, really cynical about this, but it makes me think that maybe a lot of these reports are just simply- you know, falsified childhood memories yeah. or, you know, confabulations or something like that. Because, like, I don't want to harp on it and almost get autistic about it, but think about it, right? For a market to build a little wagon, even the pigment for the paint, you would need an entire manufacturing process for the paint alone, let alone the nuts and bolts that are used and the... Yeah, but you understand the-, the multiple dimensionality of these cases. You understand that they're not necessarily in our physical dimension. They might be in a corresponding dimension of existence. So then why did they develop little wagons in that dimension? Why wouldn't they? Why did we develop wagons and paint and domesticate horses in our dimension? That's a good point. Yeah, maybe that's what's occurring. Maybe it's a crossing over of dimensions because that would explain the weird time distortions that people experience as well. So, okay, all right, you've you've calmed me down that woman. I've given you an adequate scientific explanation. That's fine. (laughs) Uh, And then there's one from Massachusetts. This is from a woman in the year 2000s. Uh, she said she was walking home from work and she always cut through this. What actually, what is this? What is an ar- arboretum? I don't know that arboretum. word. Arboretum. Arboretum? Is yeah, that how you an arboretum it? is like a, a, a location where you have a whole bunch of trees that are essentially like um, on display in a way. Arboretum. There's one in Canberra, actually. Why isn't that in my lexicon? Because there's none in Australia apart from the one in Canberra, there's one in which Canberra. is where no one will go to. Okay. So she would always cut through this arboretum and she loved nature. She said it was fall and the leaves were starting to change color. And she knows all this happened the way it happened because she wrote it down in her journal as soon as she got home. But she said, I don't need to because it's stuck in my mind. But the foliage was starting to change colors. And she said, I walked into this area and she sees this entity. He's about three feet tall, male. Uh, He's wearing all earth-toned clothing. He's facing the the leaves and moving his hands around the leaves. He's doing like this avatar airbender thing around the tree. And he suddenly turns around and their eyes meet. And this is so, this is why I highlighted this one because I thought this detail was weird. She says, I immediately thought, oh my God, there's that being again. Again? Yeah. And as soon as she thinks this, she goes, hang on a second. Again? What am I saying? Again? Have I seen this guy before? She said, that was her automatic thought. I've, here's this guy again. Uh, she, she thinks to herself, um, I can see him, and she hears this voice in her mind, this telepathic voice go, yes. yes, she can see me. And as soon as she hears that telepathic thought, this guy vanishes. And she got a good look at his face. She said it was tan. He had a bulbous nose, thick eyebrows. She said she intuitively felt that his job was to help the trees 
change. He but would then, assist in the change, the seasonal change of the leaves. Again, though, that, that suggests that he's hanging out there. So why would it be again? And it sounds like he's recognized her as well. I think it's because these entities are altering people's perceptions and memories. Yeah. And again, it's another crossover with alien abduction. Mm. They seem to have this ability over human beings. It could be, I mean, a lot of these overlaps could be that human beings are just so easily manipulated. Yeah, absolutely. And any entity that is from a, uh, of a different nature, not of our dimension, has this ability over us. It's just like, uh, you know, we have the ability to <laughs> scoop up water in a bowl. It's yeah, the they same just do thing. it. It's yeah. just a natural thing for them to do. They can touch our minds and change them subtly. Uh, but a lot of these cases seem to get, uh, there's a warning behind them. They seem to get dark pretty quickly. There's one, another one from Massachusetts, this woman in the 90s. She remembers she was around six or seven where something strange started in her life. She said, I went to bed one night in my grandmother's room and I remember she had three windows. This night, she said, was particularly windy, but nothing unusual. But she says, I remember laying down and then not too long after, she said, I heard something faint. And she describes that as a low hum. At first, she could barely sense it, but it just got louder and slowly more powerful, louder and louder and louder, gradually rising. And eventually she realized she's heard nothing like this before. It was just the most incredible sound, the most beautiful sound she's ever heard in her life. That's interesting because I never heard it described as beautiful before. She said it sounded like singing, like as it got louder. The singing sounded like something out of a dream, she said. It had this rapturous quality to it with wind instruments combined with the sound. Sounds like a siren. She said, yeah, it left me on edge, but spellbound. Suddenly, she said this music became loud and intrusive, like it was trying to attack her. The music drowned out all thought, and she said, soon I blacked out. Now, when she awoke, she's lying on this white leather couch that's actually in her grandmother's house where she's, she's staying. And it's in this little side room. It was underneath the, the stairway next to the entrance of the downstairs apartment. And she... It was an odd place, actually. She says it was an odd place in the house. Like whenever she walked past it as a child, she would always run past it because it just felt... It emanated an energy of some kind. It felt wrong. Mm. I don't know if you've ever lived somewhere that has... There's a place that has that feeling. Yep. I remember in some of the houses... I, I grew up in England and we left when I was six or seven. But I remember there were some places in that like house that my parents had where you just got that feeling as a kid. And it's probably just scary. Like, it's dark, it's scary, it's, you know, an odd room. Was just, it a particular item in the room or just the space Just itself? the space itself. Like, yep. some parts of the house, you just, you didn't want to linger for whatever reason. I think maybe kids have that sense about spaces. But that was, this was one of these spaces that never felt right. Um, there was a little couch there, a small table, her grandmother's typewriter. And over the couch, there was this puzzle on the wall, like a jigsaw puzzle that had been framed and put on the wall. And the worst kind of people. It, <laughs> it had a unicorn in it. And it was this fantastical woodland setting, she said, with a cottage and this circular clearing. And she said the puzzle always drew her attention, but she didn't want to linger in this spot. But this is where she wakes up on this, this white leather couch in this hallway in the dark. It's pitch black and the couch is freezing because you know how yeah, leather yeah. gets cold. Anyway... 
that she said the first time this happened, um, she heard laughter, like this slight laughter. Now, eventually she said she figured out that it was a man who never showed himself. He always stayed hidden in the shadow. The first time this happened, she woke up terrified, froze, and then ran full sprint back upstairs. But the next time it happened, with the, the humming sound and the music and waking up on this couch, the same thing occurred. She heard this laughter. She sensed the presence of this man. Uh, eventually, she noticed that this started to happen regularly. <laughs> like This would happen like once or twice a week. She'd be waking up on this couch, passing out and waking up. Well, it sounds like recurrent abductions. Eventually, this entity gave her a name. He went by the name Gene. Uh, As in Gene the Genie? Yeah, I don't know if there's a connection there, but she says, I was never allowed to remember much about our meetings, but I got the sense he was teaching me things, she said, telling me about subjects that weren't pertaining to everyday mundane activity. She said he was charming, cultured, but a bit of a jackass, she said. I could tell he felt I ought to be grateful for his attention. And he could be cold too, she said, quite literally. So she relays this one night, this thing happened. She wakes up and she's not very detailed about the exchange that happens with this entity, this man. But once she got irritated by what was going on and she kind of pushed back and yelled at him. And she claims he grabbed her by the wrist, but she remembers the the touch was so intensely cold it actually burned mm. uh he she said he didn't harm me but it was like a warning when this thing grabbed her and again she said i would awake disorientated with a headache sometimes and there'd be a lack of energy and get this she says i think he drained me in some way but found my forced compliance with our arrangement as a respectable payment what doesn't make any sense. You need to get out of this situation. You drained of but energy. But how can you as a child? This is right? some, it's, yeah, some kind of payment. Yeah, it's a really horrible situation. Uh, this all happened under the guise of sleepwalking, she said. And actually, uh, her sister caught her sleepwalking once. And she's convinced that this is how it would take place. The sound would come and put her into, into an altered state, which would trigger her sleepwalking. And her sister caught her going to the bottom of the stairs. And she claims that she was frozen in place until her sister was like, oh, she's sleepwalking, whatever, and then just went to bed. Then she kept on going to the couch. Mm. It's like whatever was controlling her didn't want her sister to see where she ended up or what was happening. Um, she, she said there were a few times where I tried to tell an adult, but obviously she said neither my cousin nor my grandmother ever believed me. She said I tried pointing and explaining. They thought it was all in my imagination. And this is interesting. This is where, you know, I was discussing the memory, how that woman going through, looking at the trees said, oh, there's that being again. Hang on a second. Why, do I, why am I saying again? Well, this eyewitness said there's an erasure of important or, or identifying info when you're dealing with these entities. And this has been true for many years. She says, you can see their face, but you won't remember it. They can tell you a name, show you a place, or even reveal themselves and it won't really matter because it'll float away. The memory will be gone. Is that what you described in some of those other reports when we covered it? Well, I remember like vaguely that, yeah, you could you could see it, but you the guy couldn't make out the exact features. Like he could kind of imagine it, but he couldn't make it out. Yeah, that's right. One of the eyewitnesses on the last show, I think he was from, from England somewhere, and he was saying, yeah, I remember the, 
No, it was a woman, actually, the shepherd. That's it. The shepherd, yeah. 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 And she saw this little three-foot-tall man, have a, had a conversation with him. But remembering back, all she knows is that he was a man, they had a conversation, but... But that's it. What he was wearing, facial features, blank, completely blank. Can't remember it. Like it's blocked. And we hear this all the time in alien abductions. It's part of the law. This is what is really, though, quite... It might be innocuous, but it feels like, again, it's bothersome. Like, you know that I'm already, you know, when we look at the abduction phenomenon, you and I are pretty much on the very, it's a very negative phenomenon. It's predatory, yeah. It's predatory, exactly. Um, but this also feels the same. Like, I'm a Absolutely. bit- I'm a bit conflicted about it because- I'm not conflicted at all. This is evil. Yeah. It's like, it's really strange. What's it taking from her? What's it getting out of this exchange? Well, I, I, what I, is the exchange? Well, that's what I'm wondering. Are these entities, I, I'm firmly convinced though, that humans, for some reason, the reason why we have a lot of interactions with supernatural entities is because we are a fuel source of some kind. Um, and I think that you know, this is kind of the same kind of thing and that they're forcing us to forget because if we forget, then people, well, guess what happens? People don't form coherent stories about it. Well, listen to what she says. She, she describes this as... Well, she says, I'm not sure how long this went on for. I felt a deep connection with him. Truthfully, she said, I felt like a pet. This thing's toying That's with her. not good either. It only forced me to become more creative in breaking whatever we had. She said, I tried tying myself to the bed. I tried stuffing cotton into my ears so she wouldn't hear that sound. But it's uh, eternal, so that won't make a difference. Not sleeping, like she tried to just stay up all night. Again, how many times have we heard this with abductions? Yeah. Then one day she said my resolve had hardened to steel. When summoned, I challenged him. She said, I remembered all those fairy tales I read and wondered if this was actually possible. He was incensed, she said, that he, she would dare to do this to challenge the bond. Something managed to break between us, she said, and he finally gave me a piercing look. So I continued, and all I remember, she describes just a memory of the the space lighting up with some strange green light, <laughs> like something happening. How odd. And long story short, I wish she made it a long story because I kind of want the details, but she said, I won. I ended our bond, and he ended up yelling my name in rage. Now, she said she fled. She ran upstairs. She ran to her room. Before she could jump into her bed... She passed out. She lost consciousness. She awoke on the foot of the bed, not quite making it all the way, and her room was trashed. It was her angry. desk was turned upside down. You know, all her clothes were thrown on the floor. Everything was trashed. A cupboard turned upside down. Um, but Maybe, she said after that, he never bothered me again. You know, we, we commonly hear these stories, and they tend to be childhood experiences. And I wonder if they deliberately target children. Because it's easier to form bonds with them. And, and the reason why I say that is because children are far more trusting and children, you know, don't know really what's real and what's not. My son still believes that the transporters from Star Trek are real and that I can get stuff <laughs> in and out of the house. You told him that. I did real. tell him that, exactly. <laughs> so I'm waiting for him to work out that's not real. But my point is, is that, you know, it's like if it, we are a, a food source or a fuel source, then it would make sense that they would form a bond with the child when they're young and tap into them and get them as long as they, they can. Yeah, this is why you need fairy tales to warn children. About exactly. These yeah, and you know, it's a cautionary tale. The the way she got out of it sounds like it was pure will willpower. Yeah. But she said it came from her reading fairy tales, but somehow understanding that she was a, a kind of sovereign being who had control of her own, you know, her own way, her own life, and she put a stop to this pet like relationship through that force of will and through that understanding. 
So yeah, it's important that these stories remain in our culture. But we don't tell our kids fairy tales anymore. Well, we should. Oh, absolutely. I do. Bring I them bought, back. I bought the, well, I must say though, like I bought that the Grimm's fairy tale, like the compilation. I'm, I'm reading through it. I'm like, Jesus, this is dark. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those are full on, aren't they? <laughs> like, oh, I must, might wait till my kids are a bit older. I think I have a, I have a meme somewhere that's- Of a fairy tale? That's related to that. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> what is <laughs> going go, on? Go through. Oh, so this was someone commenting- Love your podcast, but was wondering if you could actually clarify if I heard correctly in the World King episode when you said the word retards. And you sent this to me. You said, I responded, yes, Jess, we said retards. (laughs) (laughs) That was in our chat. And then I had Avatar. That must have been part of our chat. But where is it? I had this. um, There's some pics of us. There's a dead kangaroo that was in my backyard. Oh, that's right. That was the kangaroo that we couldn't get rid of. (laughs) The Udarius. Probably the last one on the list, the one I'm thinking of. What is all of this? I've got Hitler coming through a portal. (laughs) Remember her? Oh, good. But that is not to be played. Oh, Linda Bonaway. How can we forget that? Oh, yeah. That was what was in a McDonald's Happy Meal. Yeah, this is interesting. So Aaron sent me these images of like, communist imagery of yeah. people no, protesting. It's, you go to McDonald's and you get a Happy Meal. When we were kids, you get a happy, you get a little Transformer, or which has a whole different connotation today, but still you get little toys. Yeah. You know, it was fun. And so you get a Happy There's a book inside a, ki- a three-year-old kid's Happy Meal, which is all about like women in history. And it was like... Yeah, it's a Happy Meal. And I started to look feminism. into this. I started to look into this and... It's basically turning kids into activists. It is. And I, yeah. I researched the company behind it, and they're a subsidiary of this Hong Kong company, which is run by this Chinese oh. guy. I can't remember so his name. Undermining but Western society. Connected to the CCP. <laughs> and all the companies are like, yeah, putting this stuff in the West and Western children. Anyway. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I, have to, so I finally found it. It's like the last <laughs> one in the list. This one. German bedtime story. One day, a little boy did not eat all of his food, so Das Hunderverstummlung came to him and obliterated his testicles. He now has no testicles. And there's a picture of Das Kinder going, ah, <laughs> and going to sleep because it's such a good fairy tale. That's what it's That's like. That's what a lot of them are like. Yeah, yeah it's really dark. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember Hansel and Gretel being so horrible, but it really is. It's just, oh. This was a sad part oh, of the year. That was sad. Rex Gilroy. You know what? Rex Gilroy, I know we ragged on him a bit, but he was a real character. He's a champion. He was a real character. And yeah, I'll, it's just, yeah. I mean, I know that people pass on, it happens, but it is sad that he's that he's moved on. So that that's a sad part of the year. It was a sad part of the year. What the hell is the rest? I don't remember any of this stuff. I thought this one was a bit touch and go. Like you we cannot. Might, no. We might get in trouble for you that cannot. one. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot. You cannot. All right, I'll do this one instead. That's fine. Forbidden <laughs> Fitness. Summoning of the abs with muscle mancer Craig Diabolucci. <laughs> Unlock forbidden levels of physical perfection using simple occult enchantments and ancient isometric rituals. Perfect for all fitness levels. 45 minutes. <laughs> you know what? For, you know, abs are hard to get. So, you know, to do some demon summoning to get abs. It, I remember it. it was a day where it was tough to find content to do on the show. And I saw this and it was just a dumb meme posted somewhere. And I... I didn't even think about it. I'm like, oh, this, I got to get this book. Like, this is perfect for the show. <laughs> not realizing straight away that it's obviously not real. <laughs> like, and I'm searching Amazon for forbidden fitness, summoning of the abs. 
Because that's our show. Like, we find so many ridiculous books yeah, that probably. this is totally real. I thought, yeah, okay, there's obviously this has been written somewhere. It's actually <laughs> like a high-end S-Rob book, <laughs> yeah. if it was real. Yeah. He's still going. He's like, oh, what is that? Secrets of Penis and Boobs Enlargement Exposed by Abdali Abu Akbar. <laughs> that can't real. be real either. That can't be real, surely not. None of these are real. Oh, this oh, that's is a good the best. one. <laughs> Therapist, Indian Hitler doesn't exist. He can't hurt you. And then there's Indian Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> I'll save some of the I'll save some of the ones that you say we can't put on the show for the plus extension. Oh, even then, I still think <laughs> have the, by the time the show's over, the police are gonna get kick the studio door in, and you're gonna get dragged away. But the, back to the fairy stories, these are creepy. Like Very some creepy. of these are really dark, really scary. And yeah, going back to that idea of. You've got to warn children about these stories because children seem to be the target of this kind of activity. Mm. Um, This one's from Massachusetts again, uh, male this time. He said, I was perhaps three or four years old. My father and I were attending a pool party. And while we were there, he hung around with his friends and I hung around with this child, this other kid that was present. He was a young, pale-skinned boy around my age. He said, look, this kid was fun and interesting and he was just really happy. He was just a really happy kid. And he said, the main thing I remember about him is he had this smile, like this really infectious smile. He said, at one point, this other kid wanted us to go into the pool. And he said, I explained to him, look, I haven't learned how to swim yet. You know, maybe we might go in. It's like a, uh, what are they called? The, not the, the silfies, the sylphs? Well, yeah, the silkies. Silkies, sorry, yeah. He answered by saying, uh, we could go on the inflatable floating lounge chair and, the, you know, that'd be fine. It was on the edge of the water. We'll just jump in that. Anyway, he says, I reluctantly agreed. We walked over to the lounge chair and I sat down on it and um, he, where they kind of launched out into the pool. He says, that's when the child turned to me, still smiling, and shoved me into the deep end of the pool. The next thing I knew, he said, my father was diving in to rescue me while I cried and coughed up water. He said, the weird thing was, when I asked my dad about the incident, he remembers it differently. According to him, there was no other child at the party, and I apparently walked straight ahead into the deep end of the pool as if, as if I was expecting there to be ground underneath me. He said, for years, I put the incident out of my mind, but he said, uh, years later, someone who was interested in folklore explained to him, you know, that actually sounds like fae, a mischievous fae that's done that to you. But why are they so hell-bent on death? Well, maybe it's it's not, it doesn't even consider that. It doesn't even think about that. It's just, that's Mm. how it gets its entertainment. It's like some of the stories we covered on the last show, there were real kind of missing 4-on-1 instances where people were vanishing into other dimensions and couldn't find their way out. And they would hear laughter on the wind, for example, and that's, it's almost like it's just for their entertainment. Like our misfortune is for their entertainment. Mm. Um, also though, uh, you know, considering that I was suggesting that they, we could be a, a food source, well then if they feed on fear, mm. what better fear than someone thinking they're drowning? Yeah. Another weird one from Michigan. This was a young girl in the 1970s. She said my brother and I were sitting in the living room and the dog started growling at something in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So her and her older brother, they get up, they walk over to the kitchen and... They watched this figure at the counter and they don't describe it very well. They just say it was like an entity and they watch it open the dishwasher and start to load it with dirty dishes. Like this is a complete stranger in their house, like some weirdo in their house. 
All Isn't that t- what brownies do, though? Isn't that their, their role? Yeah. And all the time, it's singing about honey and cakes. It's like, get some honey and cakes. <laughs> singing this silly little song. Anyway, they're watching, and he said, she said her brother, who's older, had his hand over her mouth so that she wouldn't make a sound. Mm-hmm. But she starts struggling against him because she wants to talk to this thing. And eventually she gets her mouth free and she's like, hi. And this creature stops, looks at them and turns and says in this strange voice, caught, I still want my honey and cakes, child. And then vanished. (laughs) So because we've heard stories about house brownies before, that if you pay them enough respect or an offering, that they will clean your house, like literally come through and clean your house. Yeah, maybe one of the parents was actually leaving out honey and cakes. Honey and cakes. Just to recall, uh, occurred to me, that's why you're leaving out cookies for Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> it's all the fairy folklore. Yeah. Uh, the thing had long curly hair, was extremely pretty, but everything was slightly longer than it should be. So think ears, fingers, you know, right. arms and legs. Oh, here it is. They said, my dad's family is Welsh and has a history of relationships with the Fae. We yeah. always left out honey and cakes for them. Th- there and, it is. And there you go. And this is what we have heard, like, Again, going back to the crossover with the alien abduction phenomenon mm. where there's like a generational effect going on. It mm. seems like with these entities as well, with with gnome-like entities, uh, more so house spirits, that people have like an intergenerational entity that hangs around with them and moves from family member to family member. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, there's something to that familial line. All right, main break. You are packing for your plane ride. <laughs> it's the old Burger King that hat. That is awful. You definitely sent this to me. I've been told I don't look like an athlete. You sent this to me. Do you know what the joke is? She's actually dead. Is she? Yeah. My body. But I think, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding though. So this is actually all, also what's come out this year, right? There's um there was There was three major fat positivity... Uh, activists or something, oh, right? Well, that's paused. Oh. <laughs> Get off that. There was there was three major fat positivity activists, which is fine. Look, I mean, we're all no, it's going, wrong. It's no, dumb. No, when it's you're, stupid. When you're extremely over, well, you should encourage people to try, you know, but not to say, oh, we should just accept it, right? Um, but three of them this year, like three major influencers. I'll find the article. I'll link to it if you don't believe me. They're all dead. What did they die from, Aaron? Suddenly, <laughs> uh, they're all dead though. So it's like this. This this is not good when you're encouraging people not to exercise. Completely, the deaths were completely unrelated to their size. I heard. I'm sure. One more. Oh, no. I don't remember this one either. <laughs> Catholicism. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> what is going on in this clip? So there's, it's basically some Catholic conference in... It looks like a gay pride party. <laughs> yeah. It does, doesn't it? Well, isn't that the, what like some people are claiming, that the Catholic church is being completely taken over by the gay mafia? That's the lavender mafia, my friend. The lavender mafia. Get it right. You're worried about me talking about controversial things. And you're like, yeah, this looks like a gay nightclub. The lavender mafia. Well, they did, though. Look at the way they were behaving. That doesn't seem very godly to me. I love that clip. What the hell was that? <laughs> Let's watch it again. Oh, 
<laughs> Is that how you say I'm going to pop a cap in your ass and tie? I, my, my wife was having a dispute with someone online and I said, just send this to them to kind of end the argument. And she did. And it did. It totally ended the argument. Like if you're, if you're having an argument online with anyone about anything, it doesn't matter what the topic is. It's so universal. That is true. I'll give you that. That's, you yeah. send them this. <laughs> Sticking a desert eagle in your face. <laughs> anyway, Michigan. <laughs> a male in the 2000s. He said, look, when I was young, possibly four to eight years old, I had several experiences with little people that would come into my bedroom through the hallway and into my bedroom door. I always slept with the hallway light on because I was very afraid of the dark. He said, I knew them well. They visited several times and I was always terrified of them returning. He said they were very short, perhaps two feet tall. And I remember them as a doctor and a nurse. They would appear to me as doctors and they would do medical experiments. Oh my God, this is not good. They never took me out of my house or bedroom as far as, as I can remember, but they always came in a group, maybe three or four of them. I remember they presented themselves as doctors and nurses, so what I would I would have a sense of trust. Uh, I was born in 1993. This was the early 2000s. So uh, I remember telling my parents at the time, and they just insisted I had a vivid imagination. I stopped seeing these entities for a while as I got older, but was still terrified of sleeping. So he could only go to sleep with you know, a fan going or music playing, the light had to be on. How familiar does this sound? And get this, around 17 years of age, he said, me and my partner at the time were taking a midnight walk when all of a sudden we saw these two UFOs hovering in the sky. Yeah. All of a sudden they yeah. both shot off in a stream of light. I'm like, dude. Yeah, mate, that's not that's not. This ain't folks. fairies. Yeah, exactly. This is not fairies. You need to um have your... Whitley Strieber book moment where you see the cover of Communion and realise what's going on. Uh, there's a great story, though. You know, a lot of them aren't super dark. This one's from Michigan. Uh, this was a, a woman saying, for a long time in my adult life, she she looked back on these memories of imaginary friends she had as a kid. And she remembers she would have been maybe eight years old and she got uh, flowers for her room as a present. She got a white flower, like a potted white flower, and I think a purple colored one. And um, she associated a fairy with each flower. So one flower that was white, the, the woman would appear in white, wearing a white gown, flowing, glowing hair. She said her name was Florence. The other flower was purple. And there was, uh, again, this woman in a purple dress made of petals. She had pale skin, brown hair. hair. Her name was Leela. And she said, I had clear visions of their looks, their personalities. Uh, she said she would leave out milk and like pieces of cookie for them. And they were like imaginary friends for her. And she remembers them fondly. And um, she would, they would go with her into the garden and she would play games with them. And she said it felt like a kind of daydream, like remembering it was like a daydream sensation. And she says, I always thought fondly about these years with my imaginary friends. She says, until last year. So she's in her 20s or something now. She what said changed? she went to a random tarot reader and asked about, oh, she must be younger than 20. She said, I asked about how my graduate school applications might pan out. No, that, that could be around 20. Okay. And halfway through this tarot reading, this tarot reader, she said, just stopped and said, look, like looked up in utter surprise and said, there's a fairy in here. <laughs> what is going on? What is going on with you? There's a fairy in the room right now. Could she describe it? 
And well, she's like, what are you talking about? And and she starts saying, look, the fairy says her name is Florence and that she never went away. And she's here to remind you to have fun in life and not be serious all the time. And she's never told anyone about these imaginary friends, not her parents, not anyone. You know, the only thing that comes to mind, though, is because immediately you go to, well, this is some type of external validation that there is something around and she can, you know, can see it. I'm like, is this living sigh? You know, like that living sigh phenomenon where it's like people telepathically just pick up on what's in your head. Is that a possibility as well? It's like, is, is it so much on her mind that somehow it's being picked up by someone who is psychically sensitive? Are they just tulpas? Yeah, that's a possibility as well. Did yep. you create these beings as a child? And yeah, they didn't go away. But if they were tulpas, becomes- they would go away because she had stopped putting mental energy into them. They, they would eventually dissipate, right? Well, you would think so. But I remember with, you know, some of the other tulpa reports that they're very hard to get rid of. So if she just mm-hmm. kind of hadn't let it atrophy as opposed to actually try to get rid of it, maybe it still would be hanging around. Yeah, pretty much sums it up. I need a holiday. <laughs> oh, this one. So this is a gift we just send to each other all the time. We do, yeah. People complain to us about certain things and we just <laughs> send them that. Oh. Oh, look, I've, I have gotten well beyond caring now. The number of people that get upset and, and carry on, it's like, who cares anymore? Uh, maybe one or two and then I'll wrap it up. But there's a one from a woman in the Midwest. This happened in the 1980s. She was under... She's quite young when she started to have these dreams. And she told her mother she was dreaming about, about Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like a regular dream. She said she actually went with this being um, and she had a bond with him. And, Again, with the bond. Yeah, she had this bond with this being. And the reason I wanted to do this one is because it reminded me of my childhood experience when I lived in England. Oh, with where, the thing down the bottom of the garden. Yeah, these fairies. I was playing with these fairies in this very vivid dream. And I remember going the next day to where that it was we were playing and realizing there were just these stumps there where in my dream it was like a fairy kingdom. And I remember just being so disappointed, like so upset, so sad that they weren't actually there and confused as well. Well, she said in the, be- in the dream, this being said, okay, you need to meet me behind the couch. Make sure you're there. And she was like, okay, I'll be there. She wakes up, immediately runs behind the couch and she was so disappointed that the being wasn't there. She actually started bawling, like crying, and that her mother had to get up and like, what's the matter? What's going on? She was so upset that she didn't get to see him and meet him. She said he was tall and skinny, very pale, with huge eyes and slightly pointed ears. And again, wearing greenish-brown kind of getup. Uh, she kept on having these dreams about him constantly, all the time, these very vivid encounters. So they were recurrent. Yeah, she said he had a name like Ptolemate or something, but she can't quite remember it. Anyway, these dreams eventually stopped, but she said they started again last summer. She's in her, you know, 20s or something now. She said, I met him again in my dream. It started out as a regular lucid dream. She said she was wandering around the block that she grew up on as a child. And she said, I saw him and instantly we embraced. It was this instant knowing that this was my friend from childhood. and. Something in her mind, though, in the dream was telling her to stay on guard, like something was off. And she said in this very vivid dream, a whole bunch of others that looked similar to him of the same ilk turned up and there was more than 10 of them. They started coming towards her. She said, "Um, I knew I was in a dream, but I couldn't wake myself up. I, I had lost control, but everything was lucid. She said, these other entities outranked my friend, so he wasn't able to help me. 
they pushed a button on this strange silver disc, which transformed into a long funnel shape, and one of them pushed it up into my lady parts. (laughs) What is going on? They made me walk around with it in there. What? The whole time I was trying to wake up, screaming to myself, but I was trapped. Once I did wake up, I was frightened by it for months, unable to fall asleep with the lights out and several times waking up with a full-blown panic attack. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, that's, yeah. Like, Again, the overlap with the abductions. Yeah, yeah. How many times have we heard this um, manipulation? Well, you have to wonder if, like, because the, the reports, even Fay folklore, I'm talking like 1700s, even 1600s reports, they still have elements that's very much grace. Yeah. Like it's grace. Yeah. And really what's happened, I think, is that the, the I guess, the language surrounding the phenomenon has changed, but it's always the same thing. I'm not saying they're the same activity. I'm not saying it's the I same being. closely related. But, it, yeah, there's something about this connection of the, the beings from the other side. Uh, I'll just mention a couple more off the top of my head. There was one from, I think it was North. Yeah, oh, this was a great one. North Carolina, this woman. She's, uh, this was back in 2013, September. She's in labor, right? And from the pain, and this is pretty rare, obviously, but some women report this. She goes into an altered state of consciousness from the pain of childbirth. And she starts to have a vision. And she realizes it's not a vision, it's a memory. This is a deep memory of an event that happened in her life. She says, uh, it wasn't a dream or a fantasy or a thought. This was a memory. She, um, She finds herself in the forest, right? She finds she's a being in the forest and she's inside the dark, wet, loamy soil of the forest floor. And her head is kind of poking out. Her eyes are looking out through the forest floor. And she feels her body inside the dirt like she's all kind of almost in a fetal position. Her knees are brought up to her chest, but she's waiting for something. And she said she was in this calm state, like she knew she was where she needed to be and she was being patient, waiting for something. And she describes eventually in this part of the forest, a family walks past, right? And she's tiny. She's like a little creature in the soil. And this family walks past. It's a mother and a father and two young children following the mother and the father walking through the forest on a hike or something. She immediately knows this is her chance. She comes out of the soil, floats up, hovers above the shoulder of one of the children. It's one of the girls. It's a girl. And she remembers hovering over the shoulder of this young girl and then entering into her shoulder. And she said, I just knew I had to attach myself to her. And does this become her? When she comes out of the memory, she realizes that the girl whose shoulder she went into is her older sister. And obviously the two parents are her parents in this life. She remembers how she came into, not incarnation because that's her birth, but how she entered into the spiritual field of this family group. So she kind of attached herself to a sister and then when her parents copulated, then she somehow jumped into the embryo? She was like waiting for the chance to get into this family. 
It's weird. And she has this, and she she claims when she came out of the the vision, she told her husband, write this down, write this down. This was real. This is 100% real. She said she wasn't on any drugs or anything as well. I was well. going to ask that. Yeah, was she on any So she's sure medication? it wasn't a drug-induced thing. or it, She just said it, it was a memory. Like, it, it actually felt like a real memory. And she claims that she was some kind of elemental face spirit <laughs> that jumped onto her sister to get born into that family. I'm never going into the forest again. No. What if some no. kind of frog entity gets on my wife or me? And then we have an, another kid. What if it's, it's a toad kind of, entity? It's some kind of frog being. <laughs> I don't want some frog. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? How do you not know you don't already have that? I mean, you live in the bush, basically. So would who explain knows a lot of things. Yeah. would explain a lot of things. Um, and there's another great one of this young woman. This is in the 1960s. She's in her backyard. And she sees these weird, it's late in the evening. She sees these, what she thinks is fireflies, but they're in the grass and they start rising. She's like, what is this? I've never seen fireflies do this. And they form into a doorway. This is one of these doorway stories, right? And usually these stories are like, there was this door that formed. And then <laughs> I went the home. the door and walked away. <laughs> then I went home and went to sleep. This door forms. And she said, it, it, this is doorway size light thing. And people start walking through it. She says there was a male and a female, taller than human adults, but so beautiful, she said. I ached to look at them. They were just incredibly stunning. They wore these strange robes. They were walking on foot. And she said, again, this thing, somehow they seemed familiar. She said, I moved closer to them to get a better look. One woman near the front seemed to command these short, of short stout beings with skin like dark, tanned, slick leather. They were covered in this strange, short animal fur and had um, long arms. She said, I had felt no sense of fear in, during this encounter and until I saw those little creatures. Mm. She said, the taller people were kind of walking around in a stately pace, she said, calm, and you know, they just looked like beautiful saints. But these little dark creatures were kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> like scurrying along the ground, almost like hounds looking for something. And they were going through the grass and like filtering out, searching for something. That sounds gross. She says one of these little black creatures spotted her and immediately it started to crash through the grass towards her. It started sprinting towards her like a little terrier. And um, she immediately started to panic. Like this thing was going to leap on her and kill her. And she said this very blonde woman in the lead, this tall, strange woman, saw it. She said she looked me straight in the eye and her eyes widened as if she was incredibly startled to see me. I knew that this woman communicated mentally with that creature and she seemed to rein it back somehow. She describes these slender golden cords materializing around the creature's neck. So get your dog on a leash. Yeah, the creature was like, <laughs> and kind of had to turn around and go back with the rest of its kin. Um, it, it complained, but rejoined the party, she said. A short distance in front of them, they entered another glowing door-like shape and disappeared. <laughs> what the hell is that? What is going on in Virginia? Well, yeah, I guess it makes sense that it's in Virginia. <laughs> totally makes sense that that's in Virginia. <laughs> Um, and last one I'll mention, this was a, a young girl who was getting ready to go off to college. She was leaving her parents' house 
and she's packing everything up and getting ready to, you're really excited. She's going off to college and uh, getting a suitcase packed. And she looks down on the floor, like she's got all her things down there and her clothes. And she looks down, she says, there's this Dobby-like creature mixed with a root vegetable. It's like a little elf that also looks like a potato. <laughs> sounds like something out of, um, it's like, that. what's that, Miyazaki kind of? Yeah, it reminds me of the Potato King. Anyway, this little potato elf looks back at her and he's like, <laughs> he looks sad. He like puts his chin down and, he, goes, and he, he dives under the duvet so it can't see him. And she's like, what the hell was that? A moment later, she sees it shoot out of the other side of the duvet. And it's like, <laughs> it's running away Why from her. Why are they this, always just such idiots? <laughs> this tiny little thing. Like, <laughs> it runs away from her. She says, its head looked like a potato. It had long spindly limbs, almost green, long nose, long ears, black beady eyes. It was just slightly less than a foot tall. She says, I watched it run into the closet and disappear. <laughs> so she's convinced this was some kind of house spirit. Potato man. Slash potato man. <laughs> who came to say goodbye. He came to say goodbye because he was going to miss her. And that right there is the Christmas spirit. There you go. Yeah, that works. That's the That's Christmas spirit. That's a nice spirit. way to end a rather gruesome <laughs> dark show. <laughs> you had to end on something nice. That's uh that's a wrap from Fairy Census number two. I should make sure the image is safe before I bring it up. Did this actually happen? Did Paris Hilton bend down and kiss a woman's belly thinking she was pregnant, but it was just like a fat Mexican woman? I honestly wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> did this actually I don't know, happen? but I wouldn't be surprised if this did actually happen. <laughs> so oh, got, what's that one? Oh, we got well, some, Not that one. That's but. Dan Grant. <laughs> so if, if you're not familiar with... We the, don't want to get sued, Ben. Be careful. Australian celebrities. This guy... Uh, you can see the images. He's been on TV, Australian TV well, for years. Well, this year he suddenly embraced his Aboriginal heritage. He's been gradually embracing his 10% Aboriginality, <laughs> gradually getting darker and darker. Do, do you know where he got caught? I don't know if it was Photoshopped or not, but you could see his, like, chest. Yeah. And so it was, like, all here. It was all, like, the like the, the spray tan. Spray tan. And you come down, he's white as me. Yeah. <laughs> so he's been turning into a real, like, race hustler. <laughs> And over the years, just, you got to respect the hustle. Like over the years, just very <laughs> gradually, like just putting on like another layer every year. And before you know it, you, like you don't even think, you don't even, it's like a frog boiling slowly. You just think, oh, it was always that dark. <laughs> well, I remember Stan Grant from when I was a kid. Like he's been around for that long and no one cared. Like no one cares yeah. about your ancestry. And all of a sudden, because race has become a huge thing now, it's like. Oh, dude, he, he's mate, the only one that cares. What are you doing? <laughs> no one cares. I remember him from like, the top middle. Yeah, when I, yeah. He when used I to was, be like real life. Was that TV show? You see him on TV. Affairs? Yeah, when I would see him on TV as a kid. I remember him. No, Australia, has like been, Australia has been so upset. And you know why? He left the media as well. He left because of apparently racism. Yeah, he quit in a rage because he said it was racist. <laughs> No, like, no dude, one you're the one, mate. You're the one doing blackface. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Australia has been surreal this year. It was almost like we had the pandemic and it was kind of an excuse for all the nutters and lunatics to kind of express all their neuroses and narcissism. Yeah. And it's just kind of exploded in Australia. Well, this is the year. other thing they're doing here. Oh. They're, this is at one of our airports. They're renaming our cities these Aboriginal names. Like this is, I think this is Melbourne or Brisbane or something. No, Brisbane's something mi 
Tianjin, Mianjin or something. Yeah. But you know what the amazing thing about Brisbane is? It just so happens that the ancient Aboriginal people, the area that they called Mianjin, perfectly fits oh, what yeah. modern Brisbane is oh, somehow. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that weird it's how like, that happens? It's like the moon perfectly matching the sun. Or like Fraser Island. So Fraser Island has been renamed to Kagari with a little apostrophe. I, I wasn't aware that Aboriginal language had a little <laughs> apostrophe. So yeah, what they're doing is at the airports, they're using... No one a- fucking knows where they are. They're using the Aboriginal names instead of like Sydney or Melbourne. So when you go and check your flight, you have no idea. What's going on? You just well, you may as well be in like the middle of Shanghai trying to read the signs. It, it's complete meaningless nonsense. To be totally fair, though, I mean, Tullamarine, which is Melbourne's airport, has always been an ancient Aboriginal word. It's get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> always has been. So it's like, I don't know why they have to change everything now. So what I was trying to get to is that. Fairy Census <laughs> 2 by Simon Young. Available now. I'll link to the PDF in the show notes. Merry they Christmas. They finished their last show with a racist rat. We did. <laughs> Indeed, we did. There's more of that coming up in our Plus extension oh, as well. Please. Oh, please. Okay, fine. I'll let you do a little bit. Illegal memes coming up in Plus. Head to mysteriousuniverse.org forward slash plus. Sign up today. Actually, didn't our premier just get turfed out? So maybe the law won't count uh, anymore. She's established all the anti-swastika laws and then <laughs> left, conveniently left office. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll dive into that in our plus extension mm. coming up. Mysteriousuniverse.org forward slash plus. Aaron has a real segment. It's not a real segment. It's just like, I just, it won't be filled with racist memes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've got all these pictures that I'll just display while you're doing your segment. Great. Okay, good. That's good. <laughs> so we just like a, just, a, a visual the thing. They won't be congruent with what you're talking about. Okay, perfect. That sounds good. Uh, yeah, what's coming up? Remind us what's coming up. We're going to be talking about uh, 14 Cookie Falls, of all things, uh, the Mad Men of Kentucky, the uh, strange inventors. We're going to cross actually into a couple of Fay Folk stories. It's not entirely Fay Folk, but it, it kind of fits with what you've been describing, uh, and just some of the really weird stuff that is kind of Kentucky, including floating castles and uh, strange encounters that people have had with warring Bigfoots inside their homes. Warring Bigfoots. Yeah, that's a really strange case that comes up. They basically can pass through walls and some very, very strange things take place. So all of that is coming up for our last plus extension of 2023, Ben. Yeah, this is the last show of the season. Mm -hmm. We'll be back on date 12th. Because I know I will be very jet lagged, but I will be back first thing on Friday morning, the 12th. Are you going to share where you're going? No, I won't yet, because I'm, I've got a little bit of a plan to see how I might do a little bit of work while I'm away. So we'll see how it goes. If it doesn't work out, well, then I just won't bother. But He's going to Finland. <laughs> it's going to be full on. <laughs> Fairies galore. Yep. No, 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 not, not as so exotic, but we'll see how it goes. What about yourself? Uh, oh, I've got to build a bloody trampoline. Oh, my God. I offered to help you with that, but now it's too late. <laughs> I so wish I didn't buy it. I bought a trampoline for the kids for Christmas, obviously. And it's for yourself. I started I reading the reviews. Oh, I started reading the reviews of it after I bought it. And every like, there's a bunch of video reviews, and every single one of them is a dad who just looks like he's crawled Big the beaches of Normandy. And he's just like, that was the hardest fucking thing <laughs> I have ever done. It took... Eight hours. Yeah, I'm glad that you and said that. Some of them have it. like cuts on their hands. <laughs> I've got this bloody trampoline to put together. Good luck I'm with just, that. I'm just dreading it. So we're coming back next year with just just me because you'll be dead, skewered by some trampoline part. <laughs> Please don't die. We re- we need you, Ben. You're well, I'll probably come back from the break and be like, yeah, I still haven't built that trampoline. <laughs> 
So I bought my kids something well, we else. Bought, during the pandemic, we bought gym equipment because you couldn't go to the gym. Oh, dad put that together. Oh, did me. he? Yeah. And I'm like, when have you put yours together? You're like, I haven't put it together. I'm not, I still haven't used it. My dad put it together because he wanted to work out. Yeah, so I he's been using, using mine it. either. So that's that's New Year resolution. So I don't want to die as a fat. I can put things together. I'm not entirely <laughs> hopeless. But unless it's a computer, I'm just not yeah, really I was, into I it. I was just about to say that. I've built like four computers yeah. this year. Oh, I know you've I'm so sick of building bloody computers. <laughs> oh my God. So that's probably what I'll do over the break. Great, yeah. Build good. another yeah. computer. That's about right. <laughs> oh, I need a gaming machine, so maybe you could build one. Yeah, I'll build your gaming <laughs> machine. <Okay>. Great. <laughs> that's a wrap for this free edition of MU. As Aaron said, we'll be back on the 12th of January for our return show. Uh, until then, make sure you sign up for Plus if you're hungry for some more MU. Mysteriousuniverse.org forward slash Plus. Sign up for MU Max and you get our full back catalogue so you can go plus 16 plus years worth of shows. Uh, you also get our exclusive extensions on these episodes which come out every Friday and of course exclusive shows on Tuesday as well. But it's all there if you want to go back uh, during this break and dive into the back catalogue. Good chance to catch up if you're new. Yeah, sign up today. Mysteriousuniverse.org forward slash plus. Nine bucks a month. Help support your favourite show. That's a wrap for this free edition of MU. Thanks for sticking with us in 2023. If you're on plus... Stick around for our last extension of the year. For everyone else, we'll catch you back. In, not back. We'll catch you in 2024. See you then. Extension, great to have you with us. <laughs> He's already laughing at this.